This week on the podcast, we're going to continue to talk about Walter Brueggemann's devotional study for Lent, a way other than our own, as we discuss how he reminds us that sometimes things in our lives are going to have to die in order for God's light to shine through us. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela, a weekly conversation focused on helping you understand more about the Bible, faith, and what it means to live a faithful life. And now, here are your hosts, Pastors Mike Holly and Angela Martin. Well, Angela, we are now on our third week of this portion of the second season of our podcast as we're continuing to explore the season of Lent, walking through the wonderful Lenten devotional by Walter Brueggemann. Uh, It's called A Way Other Than Our Own. And you may remember that in our first week looking at this uh, text and these devotionals on Ash Wednesday, I read from the back cover of the book that describes the study in this way. Lent recalls times of wilderness and wandering from newly freed Hebrew slaves in exile to Jesus's temptation in the desert. God has always called people out of their safe walled cities into comfortable places, revealing paths that they would never have chosen. Despite our culture of self-indulgence, we too are called to walk an alternative path. One of humility, justice, and peace. So, you know, Lent is a season of sort of unraveling our contorted lives and uncovering the known and the unknown things in our lives that are toxic to our relationship with God or that inhibits us from living faithfully uh, with one another in relationship and community, in service to others. So there's this active phase in Lent as well as this reflective phase in Lent. One is the action of searching and discovering. The other is in prayerfully and thoughtfully examining examining what we have found. Yeah. And, you know, unless we do that second part, unless we take that time for reflection, uh, we might see Lent as a test of our own willpower. You know, you know, can I give this up for 40 days? Can I give up chocolate or coffee or whatever it is? Fasting without reflection is like finding out we have a problem and putting a Band-Aid over it. You know, it doesn't really fix the underlying problem. And so the time of reflection and understanding what truly happens to our lives when we dabble in these harmful things can help us to make lasting changes. And a holy Lent can actually help improve our relationship with God and others, as well as to bring more joy and uh, contentment to our lives. What Brueggemann also teaches us is that Lent is a time of reflection on things that we have been taught through our faith, but we've forgotten. You know, God defines what human community should look like, and God wants that to work here right now. But God also reminds us that there is sacrifice involved in making that happen. So it's easy to forget those things that make us uncomfortable, even though God is calling us to those uncomfortable, uh, sacrificial things. uh, Yeah, it's easy to kind of set those aside and and, uh, 
<laughs> go our own way. Right. Well, like I said, uh, from the back of the book, uh, God always has called people out of the <laughs> comforting yeah, places right. into those unpredictable, uncomfortable places. This is kind of what God always does. And sometimes, you know, it slips our minds in the Christian year. And so Lent is there to remind us over and over again. So there's the individual fasting for Lent to kind of remind us of the ways in which we have uh, slipped into our comfort zones. Um, you know, and, and this is a way for us to say, you know, here are the things that I have allowed to take the, God's place in my life. Or, you know, here are some of the things that have hampered my walk with Christ, taking up time and energy away from what God is calling me to do. But there are even things in our lives uh, that are actually bringing damage to our emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And all of those things are things that we can fast from and reflect upon them and maybe even find ways to give them up for good. You know, I, I have a chance to finally deal with these things and not just give them up for 40 days and mm -hmm. go back to life as it was. Right. You know, like you're saying, at the same time, Brueggemann reminds us that the church as a whole needs to be reminded about what truly matters. It's like the prayer of confession. You know, we, we say that often in our service of Holy Communion. We admit that individually— and together as a church family, that we have done the very things that God told us not to do. We also admit, you know, individually and corporately as the church family, that we have not done what God has commanded us to do. You know, we've <laughs> the sin of uh, commission and the sin of omission, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. The things we've done, the things we've not done, we admit this. And, you know, the Lenten season is an opportunity for us corporately as the church to examine the things that we have done wrong, as well as the things we've forgotten to do. In a sense, you know, this is a chance for us to, you know, confess our sins and our falling short as the body of Christ. Yeah. And then when we admit those things, when we are aware of those things, we can take action to make the needed changes. Brueggemann reminds us that the church itself can fast too. Uh, for instance, you know, we often fast from saying or singing, Alleluia in worship. I feel kind of uh, naughty saying that today sure, sure. in the middle of Lent here. Uh, one example that he gives in his study is that God requires us to fast from injustice. And he cites Isaiah 58, 6, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. And Brueggemann says, you know, God is indeed pro-life, but he is pro-life for the poor, for the hungry, for the homeless, for the naked. Uh, and just like Paul says in Romans, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, sometimes we fail to be for others. Uh, but of course, God never fails in that way. And he longs for us to to have the mind of Christ to do this. Uh, are we neglecting doing those things for others? Um, we're called to be the people who carry out God's commands. You know, and there's a benefit to this. Uh, there's blessing to be gained when we fast from injustice. Uh, Isaiah 58 continues with verses 8 and 9. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then 
you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. That's the blessing that we get. <laughs> and how Methodist is that? Even though yeah. <laughs> I know this is not a Methodist uh, devotional for, for yeah. Lent, but how Methodist, uh, Methodist is it to say basically that just because you, you know, have claimed to be a Christian, just because you've taken that name or show up in church, does that automatically mean that you're shining the light of Christ? No, it's when we right. take the actions, when God's sanctifying grace works in and through us, mm -hmm. that that can happen. You know, God's light can shine through us, but it's once his grace continues to move us from where we were. You know, when we demonstrate God's love and his compassion and his mercy, his light does shine through us. In Lent, we discover that God may not be shining as brightly through us. Sometimes we know that. Sometimes yeah. we're aware that there are parts of our lives that are not in harmony with right. God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're blind and we don't realize it. You know, both individually and corporately as the church, we we are sort of called to remember that that there are things in our lives that are blocking the very light that God, um, you know, calls for us to shine into the world. So sticking with injustice, Brueggemann says that when we fast from injustice, only then will the light come. If the goal is for us to shine the light of Christ, then we have got to find out what's blocking the light and get rid of it. You know, I'm kind of reminded about some of our security cameras here at the church uh, here in Bluff Park. We have, you know, one camera that's pointing away from the church to a certain parking lot. And over time, over the time while I'd been there, um, you know, this nearby bush began to grow and grow and grow to the point at which it was obstructing the camera. You know, at first it was not that bad. You can kind of look around it. But then it got to the point where you couldn't see. <laughs> you couldn't see anything. <laughs> you know, the camera is kind of, in that sense, useless uh, until we went through and we pruned the branches. We cut back the branches so that the camera could, in a sense, do what it was supposed to do to function again. So if we're called to shine God's light, we need to do a little pruning, and that's what Lent is for. You know, we do a little pruning in our lives. Uh, it shows us what needs to be pruned, but we still need to take the action. You know, unmasking, uncovering, discovering, fasting is the process of doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, but then comes the hard work of letting it go for good. Yeah. And this is where Brueggemann reminds us about the theme of sacrifice, in Lent. Uh, Lent leads up to Easter Sunday, but he reminds us that the resurrection does not happen without the death of Jesus upon the cross. Uh, that pruning hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, dying, death, is not a joyful thing. Uh, but here we are in order to get to that next step, that resurrection, that new life or new reality, it has to happen. Um, we ask, you know, ourselves last week about the things that we need to let go of in order to receive God's blessing. And this week, the question is, what in me must die so that I can wholeheartedly work toward a society that is truly human? And again, that is somewhat of a disturbing thought. Um, but if we begin to give up part of, of who we have been to this point— it, sometimes it feels like we're giving up control of our lives, you know, our livelihood, everything. Uh, we have a hard time 
trusting in someone or something else, even if that someone is God. And so, you know, one of the beautiful passages about fully trusting in God is the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Uh, In that Psalm, we read that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Think about the word follow. We are being followed by God's goodness and mercy. We're being chased by God's powerful love. Um, And (laughs) very often, instead of doing the thing, the natural thing that you think we would do, we run from it. We try to escape because there's a part of us that knows that if we give into it fully, we'll no longer be in control. You know, God's love and and generosity are more than we can comprehend. And so we find ourselves having a, a difficult time trusting in it. It's easier to believe that, you know, our own way or our own best efforts are better than God's mercy. And Brueggemann says, Lent is a time to quit running, to let ourselves be caught and embraced in love so that we will desire to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as the psalm ends with. Um, If we can give ourselves over to God's love and mercy, then it will create within us a hunger for God, a hunger for life lived only in the presence of God and in communion with God. Uh, You know, you've talked about your call to ministry, how you said, okay, yes, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do this. And mine was much the same way. I was like, okay, I I don't know what you are calling me to do exactly, but I am not going to preach. I'm just not. And, you know, through (laughs) seminary and through learning, you know, God gave me a desire, you know, you, you just have to let go and say, okay, God, where do you want me? And through that, God gave me the desire to preach. You know, I I wanted to preach. And so it's just evidence that God will bring you to the place where he needs you to be. We just have to give over that control and that fear. (laughs) Can I tell you something funny? Yes. All right. So um, one day when you were preaching here at our church, I looked over and uh, I was one of those Sundays where you know, I didn't have to be in the service. So I was sitting with my family and I look over and my daughter has her phone out and she's typing away, <laughs> typing away during your sermon. And I got mad, you know, not, not super mad, <laughs> right, but I was like, right. what are you doing? And, and I look over and I nudged her and I look over, she's taking notes. She's taking notes from your sermon. She's never, uh, ever made notes from one of my sermons. <laughs> So I think that there are at least two people in my my household that you're the favorite pastor, uh, preacher (laughs) on our staff. Yeah, That's sweet. Um, Anyway, um, you're right. It's so much easier to, you know, in our minds think about how, oh, yeah, it's easy to give things away because God's in our corner. But then Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, how often do we run when God's love and mercy pursues us? Because you're right. Um, there's the feeling or the fear of lack of control. You know, mm-hmm. I hear from people sometimes saying, you know, I would love to give more to the church, but I'm afraid of what might happen <laughs> if I make a big pledge right. and then, you know, things get tough later on. Yeah. And I can understand yeah. that. That's hard. You don't want to put yourself in a bind. 
At the same time, God wants us to stretch and to grow and to trust in him. And so there's a, there's a line, of course, that we need to be careful about, but there is a sort of stretching out that we're called to do, not only in our giving financially, but in our serving. You know, sometimes we are called to get out of those comfort zones. You may not mm-hmm. feel comfortable going into, for instance, you know, a homeless shelter at first. But what if? What if you tried? What if you took a step in? What if you had a small role? You know, if you stretch just a little bit, mm-hmm. if you made that kind of sacrifice of getting away from your comfort zone, what can happen? Right. Because you said that there are benefits, there are blessings mm-hmm. that can come through with that. Yeah. So sacrifice is so much easier when we know we'll be taken care of. We know that. <laughs> Allowing things to die in our lives is so much easier when we can trust that God will bring healing and wholeness to our lives. And so that's the promise. He says he will. He will bring healing and wholeness to our lives. He will help us when we sacrifice and give things up. So it is a matter of trust. It is a matter of, you know, going through the steps. You know, it's not magic (laughs) that once we kill these things in our lives that are bad for us, that things are just going to be better. It's a process. Every healing takes process. You know, we've talked to people before who have had surgeries. And they thought, I, would, I thought it was going to be so much easier than this. Well, mm-hmm. physical therapy hurts, but it's a good hurt because if you do it, right. <laughs> you'll be better in the, the end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the healing process of God's love and mercy is like that. It, it's painful at first, but you know, it's that refiner's fire we hear about in Scripture. You know, yeah. it, it purifies. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That love purifies. It gets mm-hmm. rid of the negative things uh, there. It makes me think of, you know, how we started Lent. With Ash Wednesday and Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's, you know, this is what I want. You know, I want a new life. I want a new heart. But that takes a little bit of work. (laughs) It's not easy to just. It sounds good. I know. It sounds great. (laughs) But to have a new heart is not just that easy. That famous passage continues with the psalmist a few verses later making the point that the sacrifice that is required and acceptable. So already creating me a clean heart through the sacrifice, right? Right. (laughs) Through the sacrifice, the sacrifice that is acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. A heart that is broken open can be, you've heard this, molded and healed by God, but a heart that's not broken open, that's hardened, uh, it's crusted over with all the things that need to die within us, that's more difficult to mold. It's very difficult to break because it's, you know, completely uh, drawn away from God or mostly drawn away from God and towards the other things in, um, you know, that are, that are uh, objects of love in the life. So it's more difficult to mold. It's more difficult to heal. So we have got to have trust that God will take care of us and allow ourselves to be opened open to become more vulnerable because, you know, in a sense, going back to Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, you know, after our hearts are broken open, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but God will be with us. He will walk with us. And if he does, we will come out on the other side. And that's where, you know, Psalm 51 tells us is that once we have that broken and contrite heart, God can work with that and bring that new heart mm-hmm. that yeah. we want. Right. And on that other side, you know, that there is new life that is possible, a better life. 
But the process of that, as you say, is hard. And, and that creates, that process creates questions that kind of eat away at us, gnaw at us. Uh, how do we start anew? How do we redesign our lives to make this happen? How are we willing to turn things upside down uh, to do this? We think about Nicodemus. Uh, and how he went to Jesus at night asking questions. And Jesus told him that he must be born again, which only confused Nicodemus even more, you know, if you remember the story. Um, Brueggemann puts Jesus' answer this way, which I think is the answer to all of us, really. You've got to start over. You've got to be reborn. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born from above. You've got to become as vulnerable and innocent and dependent as a little child. You've got to forgo your social position, your achievements, your wealth, your reputation. You've got to let go of all the things that make you self-sufficient and that alienate you from the wonder of the gift of God. And Nicodemus, you know, leaves that meeting with Jesus knowing that to follow God in this way is no easy task. There are sacrifices to be made. And we don't get an answer from Nicodemus. We, we don't know for a long time whether Nicodemus really picks that up and, and goes with it, runs with it. Uh, but then we hear about him at the end of the Gospel of John where he was one of those people who took care of Jesus' body after the crucifixion. Uh, but he also leaves that meeting that night knowing about the eternal rewards of such a life and who holds the power of such reward. We, like Nicodemus, are called to make the same sacrifices, and it's hard. <laughs> we can become trapped by our good life, you know, the, the comfort of our good life, and there's nothing wrong, of course, with success and wealth and uh, achievements. There's nothing wrong with a good reputation. They only become a problem for us when they keep us from living into the reality to which God has called us. So you think about what that, what that means, that all those things that seem so important in this life uh, and can yeah. be done well and can be done faithfully. I mean, all the most faithful Christians that I know have very good reputations, you know, either either their whole lives or after mm -hmm. they sort of allowed God's transformation to work in their lives and to, you know, help build them into um, the kind of people that can shine, you know, the light like we've been talking about. You know, yeah. one of the secrets that's out there is that sometimes pastors have to sort of embellish at funerals, <laughs> you know, oh, they were so wonderful right. and great. You know, mm -hmm. um, we don't do that a lot, but every now and then, you know, we we leave out some of the rough edges of someone's life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of the people that I, I think of, you know, it was almost like we could not add in all of the things that pointed to God's presence and God's light shining mm -hmm. in and through them, you know, in a sense that they had built this good reputation through the ways in which um, God had, you know, had transformed their lives. Not that they had sort of achieved something and worked to it. They had allowed God's transformation to bend their lives, to, you know, make them more in harmony uh, with, with him. Just like the title of the book says, is instead of, you know, trying to force a life 
on their own way, they were open enough. They could have a, you know, a new life to be born anew, to be born again, to, you know, have this, this new life that God offers by transforming themselves, allowing God to transform themselves, to bend them into a way other than their own. So, you know, I think that it's really important for us to understand when we're talking about being born again or born anew in this discussion with Nicodemus, there has to be transformation. It's not just simply that all of a sudden, you know, saying the right prayer or believing in the right name is going to simply just create a new heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a transformation because the heart is connected to the head. It's connected to the hands and the feet. And there's this transformation that must take place. You know, Brueggemann reminds us of what this um, graceful transformation looks like. He talks about how those who were once seen as enemies uh, are really needy neighbors. Uh, Scarcity can be seen as enough when shared. We find that we are less greedy, less anxious, less self-preoccupied in this new life because we're able to rest our lives and our bodies down in the goodness of God. Brueggemann states, we come at the neighborhood with glad hearts and open hands and risk taking lives because the deep deathliness in our own lives has been overcome. And think about that, the deep deathliness, the sort of <laughs> self-focus and, you know, that self-comfort, you know, this, this, all this stuff that we have been talking about, the need to give up, once that can be given up, then it's the, the, the idea that we're born anew, we're born again, and we have more. We have, you know, cups overflowing from Psalm 23. We've got all these things we want to share and we want to love and we want to serve. And all of a sudden we find through that graceful transformation, God's light can shine through us. Yeah. You know, one of the aspects of God that I keep close at hand is this idea of God as creator. Well, not an idea. It is a for real thing. God is creator, present tense, you know. Uh, Scripture tells us that when we can't make a way for ourselves, God makes a way for us. And so, you know, if we will let the creator God make a way for us, it will be more than we could ever imagine. Um, I mean, we all know that there are times when we ask God to give us something and God gives us more. And we can only see to a certain point and imagine to a certain point, but but God always gives so graciously and in such ways uh, that we can't imagine. Uh, in referring to a pa- another passage in Isaiah, Brueggemann says, the poet or God holds out to the exiles and to us an alternative way, the waters of baptism, the bread of the Eucharist, the wine of new covenant, the capacity to risk and trust and obey, and then to find ourselves safe and joyous, close to God, and enlisted for a very different life in the world. Um, During the season of Lent, you know, we are called to this upside-down life where we can truly and completely share the light of God in the world. And so sort of as we, as we wrap up today, we're, we're reminded of sort of the, the things we've covered up to this point. 
you know, that that we have got to, during the season of Lent, really reflect upon our lives, to fast, to give up, to find out the things individually and corporately that, you know, we need to allow to to die, to not have power over us or to sort of keep, to, keep us captive in the safe places in our lives so that we're free uh, to be God's people, to go where he calls us to be. But then, as we've been talking about here at the end, so that God's grace can transform us into the people that you know, he wants us to be. Right. Uh, Brueggemann, uh, in these devotionals this week, really focuses on what it means for the church to be the the people that shine God's light brightly into the world. And I think that that reminds us to, you know, the Bible, the gospel, the story of God, the story uh, of the cross, all of those are important things for us to be share, uh, to, to teach and to, to enact. But ultimately... You know, people are going to believe that all that is real when they see the church as a transformed people living uh, gracefully and lovingly in the world that in in a sense, you know, God trusts us, (laughs) the church. um, And that's amazing to begin with. Yes. (laughs) But God trusts us, the church, to be the preview uh, of what, you know, all people should be like, all humanity should be like. The church you know, exists as sort of a preview of this is what God wants of everyone. This is what the kingdom of God is going to look like. Right. This is what, you know, heaven is going to be like. It's going to be like church. And my goodness, we mess that up sometimes. Yeah. But there are other times where not by our own doing, but by God's work in us, how beautiful a light do we see sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only when we can give up the toxic and unholy things that we have allowed in our lives, either by our actions or, you know, by not doing what we should, only when those things are allowed to die will we be able to receive and live that new life. Yes. Well, (laughs) friends, thank you for another uh, time to discuss this wonderful devotional study with Walter Brueggemann. We'll be back next Wednesday for another new episode, and we hope that you will join us as we continue through this wonderful season of Lent. I I was about to say this, wonderful and demanding (laughs) season of Lent. Well, uh, we hope that you have a very blessed week.